Hi everybody, welcome back to Jewish Teen Talk. Hi everyone. So, we'll do um, a question that seems very timely, a question about Israel. And the question is... I noticed that I haven't been thinking or feeling much about Israel. I've been distracted with my life and that's bothering me. I feel like I should be feeling pain for my brothers and sisters in Israel. But I also don't want the pain to be so strong that I can't function. What would a healthy balance look like? Yeah, so um, feeling constantly in pain about terrorism would be um, exactly what the what the terrorists want. That that is the point of terrorism point of terrorism is that we shouldn't be able to live our lives because we're constantly afraid and worried about what the terrorists have done so um i think we feel pain because we're all one family so i think that that pain is going to be there and um sometimes we end up in our society we end up looking for feeling something uh, because what you're describing seems like being distracted and not feeling much at all. So I, I get the feeling that there's a certain numbness. And we, what, what I find is that we don't want to feel pain because you're probably a very sensitive person and... If you were to feel all the pain that you're thinking, you wouldn't be able to function at all. So you end up distracting yourself. And um, and by the way, you have a very good understanding right now of what an addict goes through. Because an addict is Going through life for an addict is very, very painful. And their addiction is not their problem. Their addiction is their solution. Mm -hmm. And life is their problem. Because life, for someone who's very sensitive, is very, very painful. And so they distract themselves. And they numb themselves. And that's what we do as well. And the balance is that we we allow ourselves to feel and whatever we feel all feelings are valid all feelings are okay there's no feelings that we shouldn't be feeling yeah and we also live our life because that's the best revenge for terrorism yeah if i could add to that um in your question, you're saying, I feel like I should be feeling pain for my brothers and sisters in Israel. Should means that you're doing something wrong. Mm. Like you should be doing something different. It's kind of like it also should comes with shame. Or it comes with, oh my gosh, everybody else is feeling so much for Israel. There's something wrong with me. Why can't I feel just as much as others? Mm. And sometimes feeling is actually shutting down because you said i noticed so you're taking a look at your response 
you haven't been thinking or feeling much about Israel. And sometimes that is our response. That's the automatic reaction. The body's way of protecting us or the brain's way of protecting us is don't think about it, don't focus on it. And like Shu was saying, you know, that is actually winning, is winning this war. It's helping right. Israel when we're not paralyzed with fear. We're not constantly thinking about it and constantly feeling such strong feelings because that's when a lot of us will get paralyzed with fear and will fear the terror in our lives. And that's when they win, when the terrorists win, not, mm. not us Jews. It's also, I think, if you think about what these soldiers, if you see all these videos of soldiers that are requesting for us to do, you know, put on tefillin, light Shabbos candles, uh, uh, check your mezuzahs, sing a song at your Shabbos table. Yeah. Soldiers are requesting for Jews all over the world because everyone recognizes that that's what they're fighting for. That's what really the battle is, that our ability to live just as a Jew living and going about our day-to-day -day life is being threatened. And that's what this war is about. Yeah. And so our life as a Jew, even if we're not doing Jewish things, but we are Jewish and we're living our lives, that is the um, exactly what the, this evil wants to stop. Yeah. You know, Esav hates Yaakov. It, uh, Esav doesn't necessarily only hate Yaakov when Yaakov is, is putting on tefillin or when Yaakov is, 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 is keeping kosher. Yeah. Esav hates Yaakov because Yaakov is, is a Jew and the existence of a Jew disturbs Esav in yeah. some way. And just living our lives as a Jew is the best way of us. Help me finish that sentence. Winning. Winning the war. Yeah. And Thank also, if, if I could just um, take it up from a different angle, I mean, along the lines of what we're saying, you're saying I've been distracted with my life and that's bothering me. But I, I wonder if you could say to yourself that being distracted with life means that you're choosing to live life. You're choosing to go on with your regular routine, which again, this is what is helping. So... I, I suggest, you know, obviously I can't tell you how to feel, but you don't need to be to feel bothered or feel like you're doing something wrong. Um, us continuing our lives as is and getting distracted with life, with meaning, with purpose, with, you know, continuing as Jews, our lifestyle. That's something that is a gift to the soldiers who are fighting. Mm. That's a gift to the captives because they their hope their only hope is that life goes back to routine and we're we're um making sure that that we don't lose that despite the terrorism mm -hmm. and yeah so yeah i think it's it's also just want to validate that it's okay to feel sad you know we're one family and members of our family were slaughtered and that makes us sad it's okay you know and I'm sad, you know, for sure. And that everyone's going to respond differently mm. to news. Some people will fall apart. Some people will, you know, run and do other things. Some people will run and do good. We all respond and every response, like Shua was saying before, every feeling is okay. It's valid, right? We're in this together. Yeah. Okay. Question. Sometimes I feel like I don't want Mashiach to come. 
because I will miss certain things in my life. I'm also very afraid of the unknown. How can I really yearn for the Geula? Okay, so just to, um, it's an excellent question. I've actually heard it many, many times from teenagers, adolescents. I've even heard it from adults. Mm. Just to clarify and translate the word Mashiach for our listeners and viewers and the word Geula. So the word Mashiach is technically in English, it's Messiah. And the word Geula is redemption. So a time when, if we think of like uh our dream, our dream world and the best, best, best um, life that we could have, that's Mashiach's times. Mm. So that's redemption. That's the time when, when we think of the word redemption, it's not just redemption from, um, you know, uh, not only like our spiritual status that we're in in this world or the, or the struggles that we have, but it's also an inner freedom. Like we're mm. no longer going to, going to have to, um, fight or struggle with anything that we're going through. It's going to be like a time of utopia, like they say, you know, right. um, amazing good. So I've heard this said many times and this concern of being afraid of Mashiach coming, being afraid of new, a new age, a new time when things will change and mm. all of a sudden people will never die. That's terrifying for people to think of. Um, all of a sudden, um, you know, the, all we're going to want to do is learn Torah all day. Right. So, our, our routine will be disturbed. Yeah. I think that's really the concern. By the way, I heard a really good joke about this exact topic. They say that there was once a rabbi who came to an inn and he was uh, doing Tukun Chatzais. He was doing the lamentations at midnight for the destruction of the of the Holy Temple. Some Jews get up at midnight and they cry about the Holy Temple. And he was crying and the innkeeper was worried about his his uh, Airbnb reviews, I guess. And he ran over to the sky. What are you crying about? Do you need extra pillows? Are you comfy? And the and the, the, the rabbi told him, I'm crying about the, the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash, destruction of the Holy Temple. And I'm hoping for the redemption. I'm hoping that we can one day have the the temple rebuilt and we'll all you know be gathered and go to israel so the man comes back and tells his wife and his wife says tell the rabbi to stop it right now we just paid off our inn and we're finally making a living we're finally starting to you know to be comfortable and now we're going to go to israel it's that's terrible and so the uh so the rabbi he goes and he asks the rabbi to stop. The rabbi says, "But what about all the pogroms? The Cossacks come and they and they destroy and they and they you know and they, it's really terrible when they have a pogrom and people die and people are, are, are you know things are stolen." So he goes and tells his wife this answer of the rabbi about the pogroms. So she says, "Ask the rabbi if he could pray that the Cossacks go to Israel." <laughs> That's cute. Yeah, like. In other words, that's the idea, that we have our thing. We're finally comfortable. Yeah. We have our, our stability. And uh, and we're so good with it. We're so comfortable with it. We don't want to change. You know, I've spoken to addicts, you know, many addicts. And I keep bringing this back because addiction is the 
extreme example of this idea that makes it easier to understand for people who are not addicts. But I've spoken with addicts who are trapped in their addictive behavior and they cannot change and they can't stop. And I've spoken to them about stopping and they talk to me about their fear of stopping. Mm. That if I don't have this addiction, yeah. what do I have? Yeah. You know, like if if I can't comfort myself with food, let's say, then 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 who am I as a person? What is, what will life look like? The the change is so fearful. It's so I I can't comprehend it, and therefore it must be something bad. Yeah. And you know I've heard it said before, and it's it's a a wonderful saying is that. The, the, our greatest um, growth lies on the other side of our greatest fears. Mm. So when we go through things, and I'm sure every every one of us can think in our own lives how we've gone through things that we thought we would never be able to do yeah. and come out the other side and how good we felt about yeah. ourselves. Yeah, That's a personal geula. That's a personal redemption. And if you think about that feeling, that's what, on a, yeah, that's yeah. what on a much sorry we just uh, technical difficulties on a much broader scale. That's what Gaula is like. Yeah, times a, a million. But that feeling. Yeah, and I I could actually really relate to the question because when I first um, began healing and joined, whether it was therapy or twelve steps or any inner work that I was, you know, about to embark on, it was very daunting. It was very, I was very fearful. I, and I remember thinking like, people were like, yeah, this whole recovery, you're going to discover a new you, like a freeing kind of person. And I just thought to myself, I don't want to meet a new me. Like, <laughs> like the old <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty comfortable, even though like, you know, life was very unmanageable. I mean, not that that changed any, in any way, but just like even my 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 coping mechanisms, my the strategies that I was living with, my response to life, I didn't want that to change. That was mm. all I knew until then, and I was very fearful. Um, and I I'm curious because there's not much more information in the question, but the fact that you don't want Mashiach and you're saying I miss certain things in your in my life, I wonder what those things what those things are. Will miss. And I will miss certain things in my life. That means that mm. there are some things now in your life that you don't want to lose. And I think that the idea that she was bringing up and that, mm. you know, is that um, I don't think you're going to lose any of those things. I think if anything, the things that are helping you, that you're gaining from, that are good for you, that align with Hashem's best interest for you and God's will... You're not going to ever lose those. Right. Because those are, you know, good things. Those are, you know, gr like everything that will exist mm. when Mashiach comes, when that time of final redemption from, like we said, any any struggles in this world, any illness, even any internal things, all that good stuff are going to stay. What's really going to happen when Mashiach comes is that evil will not exist anymore. So right. all of us nowadays that are asking, how is there such atrocity? How are there people in this world that would, in cold blood, just take someone's life just because they're 
different than them just because they were born Jewish, just because they live in a land that, you know, the person wants that piece of land and they won't stop until they get everything um, that will not be existent in existence anymore. But the good stuff in your life are going to stick around yeah. as long as they align with Hashem and there because really the purpose of this world is to have okay I know like my kids are they say it like you know with a little bit of a tune but to really is what I was trying to say but really to make this world a better place mm -hmm. so if what you're saying is already in your life and that's better and that's good and it's flourishing it's going to continue right the all the stuff that are not supposed to be in this world, including evil, wars, hatred, death, um, which God never wanted to have in this world, those will be taken away. Right. I mean, we we can go on and on about this topic, but I think that's good for a preliminary, you know, idea of of the. Uh, what the what it, you know times of Mashiach what that's really supposed to be like if you have any other questions or any other thoughts on that please feel free to write to us and uh, we'll continue the conversation yeah and I'm just looking at the question sorry how can I really yearn for the Geula hmm. I would suggest to think of something in your life I'm sure there's one thing that you could think of that you wish you had that you don't have or something that you're working on that you just wish you were already healed from it was hmm. it was already you know, in the past, that's how you can yearn for Geula. Because like Shua said, Geula could be inner freedom. Um, and just remember that as long as we're suffering in this world, as long as there's evil or stuff happening, God is suffering with us. So he right. wants us to be free. He wants this to happen just as much as we do. So even and even if you don't know what to ask for or how to want Geula, even saying to God or saying to yourself or I don't even know what I want. I don't even know what Geula means. That's okay too. Yeah. You're in an okay place. Yeah, you're. I think it's important to remember that we're always okay. You know, and, and when we're suffering or we're struggling or we're depressed or we're anxious or we're upset or sad, there's no small issues. There's no small problems. You know, um, I just... Uh, learn tonight something so powerful from my friend Yitzchak who is telling me that any issues that we have that means Hashem is struggling as well there's some aspect of Hashem that's in pain when we're in pain so there's no small problems hmm. and sometimes all that we need is a shift in perspective it doesn't mean that everything in our life changes but when we look at things in a new way that's living already a, a life of freedom. We're not mm. bound by the ways that we used to look at things that held us back, if, yeah. that, if that makes sense to you. And also, maybe instead of looking at Mashiach as, I know you said we're going to be done with the question. I know, but it's just more ideas are coming. <laughs> but also, like in, maybe not looking at Mashiach as like, oh my gosh, things are going to change drastically and I'm going to lose everything I have because I understand that worry. Maybe looking at it as that every moment that I have a victory, I do something right. And it's it's kind of like a small transition into a better time and a better place. And that happens with each of us individually. The more mm. we work on ourselves, the more we work on our relationships, 
Um, the more we say, I want to yearn for Gula, I want redemption, but I don't even know what that means. We are getting closer to a better time um, right. and a better world. Right. That's a beautiful point. Yeah. Okay. Thank I'm you. glad I'm... Thank I, you, Bashi. I'm <laughs> glad that it's making this much sense this time of night. Yeah. Um, my thoughts. But we, you know, we've prioritized that... It's very important that Jewish Teen Talk continues and that your questions get answered. So thank you for all those who sent in more questions this week and those who continue to send in. And um, yeah, we have a few more on the way now. Yeah. So the next question. Very often, I'm just thinking about boys and I can't get that topic off my mind. Only recently have I realized what thinking about them can do to me and have... An, and And has. And has. So I try hard not to think about this, but it never works. How can I stop thinking about boys and this kind of stuff? And this was written by a girl. Um, we can't assume, you know, that, but just this is written by Rivka. So thanks for sending in your question. And it's a great question. Yeah, it's... So, you know, I, I think we've mentioned this often and... Um... It's important to keep in mind that, that we try to answer as much as we're trying to answer the question we're also trying to answer the questioner and so this seems like a, a person who is struggling with what is a natural thing to think about especially for um, a teenager young person uh, in that stage of your life um, we are built to be thinking about um, uh, the opposite gender. Hashem made us that way so yeah. that we can um, get married or, or and and uh, create life. Yeah. So for you to be thinking about boys is because that's how Hashem created you. Yeah. And that's what your um, your body and your mind is uh, biologically meant to do. Yeah. Uh, your issue is that, you know, you're not getting married right now and you're living your life and that topic is coming in during times when it's not helpful. Yeah. And um, I guess what thinking about boys can do to you, you've started to realize what thinking about boys can do to you, what I imagine that you're um, considering is maybe developing relationships before a relationship is helpful that might complicate your life or doing things about those thoughts that um, that are not going to be helpful for you in, in what you're trying to do right now. Right. Um, and but I, I, I want to validate and recognize this conflict that um, there are these thoughts and they're also the things that you're trying to accomplish in your life. And it's kind of, uh, yeah, you know, a little contradictory feeling. Yeah. So the first thing that I want to tell you is that I think that when we battle ourselves and we're fighting against ourselves, particularly when there's a something that we're doing that we're biologically wired to do it's a losing battle mm. and so I would I wonder 
if I can suggest that you stop fighting and just accept. Yeah. I'm a teenager and I'm going to be having these thoughts and that's natural and it's normal. Yeah. And it's because I was created this way and who created this me this way? Hashem did. Yeah. So Hashem created me in a way that I'm going to be thinking about boys. Can I add something? Or yes, please. Okay. Because I wasn't sure where I'm going. <laughs> I appreciate it. Uh, so I was just thinking about, you know, when you tell someone like, don't think about boys. And then all they think about is boys. That's right. So a lot of the time I was actually reading the book about um, Man's Search for Meaning, which is written by D Viktor Frankl, mm. who developed this whole theory, um, positive theory about purpose and meaning in life um, based on his experience in the Holocaust and observations. Um, as a professional, so um, one of the things he was saying was that um, a lot of the time people have something called, let's say, anticipated anxiety, where it's basically that, like, you have anxiety about something. I said it right? Yeah, or yeah. either anticip anticipatory. Anticipatory anxiety, maybe. So where you basically have anxiety about something, and then because you have anxiety about it, you don't stop thinking about it. So then mm. it brings on more anxiety. And I don't remember what his tactic was, but the but his idea was that if we're constantly focused on something that, like, I don't want to be thinking about this, I shouldn't be thinking about this, you're going to just think about it more and more. Yeah. So, like, she was saying, just surrender to it. In other words, just accept and realize this is physiologically, physically, emotionally, in every sense, Hashem created me this way. By the way, physiological has to do with the body. Like, that's how we're wired to, yes. to think. So, so, a practical way... Sorry for jumping yeah, in. Yeah, Do you no, want to finish good. your thought? Okay. No, I just... I was I was kind of finishing your thought. Where, like, Hashem created me this way. So, mm. why fight it? Right. This is, this is supposed to be happening at my age. Um, yeah. And... But then your question is, how can you stop thinking about it? So, first of all, accept that this is age-appropriate. Um... I don't know that you can stop thinking about it, but well, I think that a lot of times. Go ahead. A lot of times. I'll hold on to it. Okay, I find that a lot of times we identify with our thoughts. Hmm. So if a thought comes in, that becomes our reality, and it might be helpful to practice. And you know, like any other muscles, practice helps us grow those certain muscles, and we have mental muscles as well, um, that we can practice being curious instead of judgmental about our thoughts. So if mm -hmm. a thought comes in, um, I, I'm, I'm recognizing that I'm, I'm uh, or I'm noticing I'm having a thought about boys. Yeah. It doesn't mean I'm obsessed. It doesn't mean I'm a bad person. I'm noticing that I'm having a thought. Right. And then we notice it. We don't attach meaning to it. We just allow it to be, to exist, and continue doing what we're doing. Right. But we're not fighting it either. We're right. not creating meaning out of that thought. Like, um, because I have this thought, therefore I am, or therefore I need to do, or we it's just, we have a thought. thought. Yeah. yeah, and it's not part of me. It's like mm. something that I'm experiencing or something that I'm thinking of. Exactly. And I would just finish with the idea that 
I think we can we should define maybe make it clear the the concept of thinking versus obsessing mm. so thinking would be okay like you know a thought here and there like you know I think of a boy or I think of boys I think of those type of things the thought comes and then it passes and then it goes and then I'm able to concentrate on other things but obsessing is when I'm constantly thinking about it I can't stop the thoughts from taking over while I'm studying, well, like, yes, a thought can pop in. We can't necessarily control that. But if it's a constant obsession, whether it's about a certain boy or about, you know, I can't, I can't like get through my day because all I'm thinking about is that I would recommend to reach out for some help, right. whether it's a therapist, whether it's a mentor, um, reach out to us and we can, you know, we can um, guide you to other resources as well. Of course, you don't have to go through it alone. And if this is just, you know, you're thinking about boys, there are thousands of teens out there that are doing the same thing as you because that's the way Hashem created them. And in time, you know, even like Shua said, that thought doesn't have to add to, doesn't have to lead to action or be materialized. um, But it is, it is okay. (laughs) Yeah. There is also, you know, you're talking about OCD. Um, I do want to point out because, you know, maybe let's. Sorry, just um, explain what's OCD. Obsessive compulsive disorder. Um, we we mentioned that your first name is a, a, a girl's name and that you're thinking about boys because we want to validate that sometimes girls think about other girls and sometimes guys think about other guys. And they may have obsessive thoughts and they may have even... Um, uh, um, obsessive thoughts that have a sexual connotation and just to point out that there is a difference between um, um, sometimes uh, uh, people have obsessive thoughts about the same gender that doesn't necessarily mean that they are necessarily only attracted to the same gender so there can be Sometimes obsessive thoughts about the same gender can be a function of OCD or obsessive compulsive disorder. And if you do have those thoughts, um, it's important to distinguish whether they're um, egocentonic or egodystonic. That means egocentonic means that you feel comfortable or you identify with those thoughts. Or an egodystonic would be if you feel uncomfortable, those thoughts are making you uncomfortable, but you can't push them away. And however you feel about yourself and your development and what you're thinking about, if you would like to discover that more or or want to work through whatever it is that you're struggling with, it's always a good idea to reach out for help. So I don't know if that made sense to anyone, but just want to open the door to the fact that you know, same-sex attraction is something that teens struggle with as well. Mm. Okay, next question. You want to read this one? Good, go ahead. Okay. I have a friend who moved to where I live nearly three years ago. Since she came, there's been a lot of problems that she made with her friends. And often she's acting out in class and making problems. I tried talking to her and she didn't get it. I know that she's going through a very hard time at home and that's one of the reasons that she moved because her older two brothers are 
not are acting irreligious. They don't really get themselves into the best stuff. She also sometimes hangs out with girls that don't do the best things. And I feel really bad for her. And I feel helpless. Um, and I can't help her even though I really want to. What should be done? Wow. Yeah, it's a very loaded question. Um, it really sounds like you care a lot about this girl. The fact that she's even um, moved in and you are taking the time to go on Jewish Teen Talk to send in an anonymous question about this girl shows how sensitive you are, caring. Right. Um, how much you want to help her. Mm. And even though we will explore the question along with you and, you know, we'll try to answer to the best of our ability, you might not be able to help her. I just want to say that from the very beginning because yeah. a lot of times we'll see people who are going through a hard time or who, you know, come from have gone through things that you know are problematic or have caused problems in their life and then we see how it's affecting others and all we want to do is save the day mm. whether it's because we care so much about them whether it's because we see that um, others are being hurt so i think just from the very beginning i think we need to realize that and even though sometimes i have a hard time accepting this is that god is in charge and mm. Hashem if he created everything in this world, then Hashem caused whatever happened to this girl to happen to her. Um, he also, if he orchestrates everything in this world and he makes everything happen for a reason, he, for a reason, put this girl into this place where you live with her problems, with her past, and she just needs to be there. And it, I, I know it's very hard to watch someone, you know, being getting badly influenced or someone who, like you said, I feel helpless for her. That's a really good way of saying it. Like, it's true. You can't necessarily, you know, um, fix her problems and change who her brothers are, what their path they've gone on and the experiences she's been through. But, you know, as another Jew, as a friend, you could reach out to her let her know you care about her like we've said in the past on jewish team talk sure. um, you know say i realize that i don't know do you want to go out for a walk or um reach out to her yeah but again you won't be able to necessarily save her from her past from her present from her future um i'm sure shua has a lot to share but i'll just say share these that i heard there's three c's the first one is i didn't cause it the second C is I can't control it. And the third one is I can't cure it. So just to keep that in mind, you never caused all this. Um, you can't, can't control what your friend does. Yeah. And you can't cure it. Yeah. So even being there for your friend might be just showing that you care. Not with any um, specific outcome in mind. Not to change her in any way. But just to show that you care. Yeah. Um, also, I want to bring out, and this is something that we've been noticing a lot, both in our own journey and with people that we speak to, is that sometimes when there is an issue that comes out on the outside, you know, like you always say, it nothing starts from nowhere. Every, every issue that we have 
every difficulty that we're dealing with has a source. Yeah. So if someone is struggling on the outside, that means they're in tremendous pain on the inside, and finally it's coming out. A lot of times people have, unfortunately, religious trauma. And religious trauma is a very, um, it's a very serious topic for, for, for us on Jewish Teen Talk and for the Jewish community because people are people. And sometimes people in positions of authority and positions of power um, abuse that power. And when they abuse that power, um, they create a situation where the uh, religion that they represent somehow now has connotations of evil. It has a taste of, of something bad associated with it. Mm. And many times when people start throwing off religion, there is some sort of a trauma that they're working through with doing that. It's not always that way, but I think a strong majority of the time, yeah. if you dig, you know, we find a lot that the past becomes present. So... um you know, uh, um, what was that phrase I told you? History, historical. That's probably a really good oh, phrase. hysterical is historical. If someone's acting out and they're getting hysterical, that's historical. Yeah, yeah. And I would just challenge you to try something. Ooh. Oh, chal- not challenge me. No, no, no. Not oh, you. okay. Yeah, she but, does challenge but... me all the time, but this time it's but not me. You could me. challenge yourself too. <laughs> okay. Um. So I, I, I. I would be curious how this goes mm. and maybe, you know, be in touch with us on Jewish Teen Talk. Let us know how it goes. Um, try to look out for this girl's strengths mm. and maybe point them out to her. Like, look out for something positive. Yes, she has problems. And yes, you know, she has her brothers who became not religious. She has this this thing and that thing and the girl she gets involved in. But if you can look out for something positive in her, like maybe she's mm. artistic, maybe she herself is very caring and with all this going on you know just compliment her or um have a way of like find a way of bringing out her strength saying hey i'm doing a project and i really need help and i know you're good at this and you might be surprised at you know sides of her or parts of her that you've never realized can shine so even someone who's going through a lot or who's been through a lot we we never we don't ever need to give up on them. Yeah. There's always in some way that they can shine and um, and if someone's going through amaze a, us. yeah amaze us right? sorry us. if it's cut you off if someone's going through a hard time and you're showing that you care about them not because you feel like the way that they're living their life is wrong but because you care about them as a person yeah that's very very powerful yeah for sure. Okay, here's our last question for Jewish Teen Talk for this week. Why do we have to keep Sneas? It's a fire question. Mm-hmm. By the way, ever sent it in? We appreciate you. Everyone out there. <laughs> Why do we have to keep Sneas? The rules are made by men 5,000 years ago. I think it needs to be updated. People always say it's to protect the men, not get raped. But I think I can draw my own line. And I don't need some old-fashioned rules telling me what to do. I feel trapped in the from lifestyle. Yeah. Wow. Um, so there's so much here to unpack. Yeah. Um, but I do want to say 
that if... Sorry, Shu, I keep interrupting. Could we define sneas before jumping in? Sneas is a modesty. Um, and the rules of modesty, I, I'm, I'm hearing that you got, whoever, this writer, this, this questioner, got, um, rule, got a message about, and I'd like to apologize to you for the fact that you were taught about Sneas this way, that you got a message about Sneas, that Sneas is somehow related to not being attractive or 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 causing men to sin or protecting you from the unstoppable um, desires of men of of rape and that's not what sneas is at all yeah we keep sneas sneas is uh, and by the way sneas is i i feel comfortable sharing this because sneas is also for men is because Hashem asked us to, and we want to be connected to Hashem, that's why we keep Sneas. Sneas has nothing to do with rape. And it's not any protection for men. Um, and anybody who tells you otherwise is sadly mistaken. The rules of Sneas are between us and Hashem. And let's just um, clarify. Sneas, modesty is not only in the way we dress. It's also in the way we talk. It's in the way we act. It's in the way we think. Mm. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, it's, it's, and it's designed by God. Right. And I actually think that Sneas, when I think of Sneas, and we've spoken about this on Jewish Teen Talk, I think of the word privacy. Mm. And I actually think that nowadays with social media or the fact that we don't get that much snail mail in the mailbox, like when I was a little girl, if mail comes, you never open someone else's envelope. But nowadays, like with social media, Be Real, all these like, um, you know, Snapchat, and, TikTok, whatever yeah. people have, this this idea of privacy has been lost because let's say somebody, I don't know, somebody just snaps a picture of whatever's happening. All of a sudden, that picture is sent everywhere. And let's say people haven't even been asked, do you mind if I send the picture? So I think that it's very important to remember that we have a loving God who designed rules for us, which will protect us. Right. And I like to use the words when I... When I say tzniyas to my own little girls or even my girls, you know, I always use the word protect your privacy, respect mm. your privacy. Right. Because this is not, this part of you doesn't need to, doesn't, do, like, doesn't need to be shared with everyone. Right, right. So when I think of tzniyas and I think of God, I think God designed such beautiful um, rules that can protect a woman's privacy, that will respect her boundaries. So it's not about a guy, you know, being turned on by a woman and that's why she has to dress more modestly. It's not about the idea that prevent rape and molestation by dressing in a way that's unattractive. Um, and I know many girls and women that unfortunately were dressed very, very sneeze for many years and they were raped or molested, God forbid. And... Most of them are no longer tzniyas. Most of them run in the opposite direction. 
and it, it makes total sense because if you're get if you're if you are um doing tsnia so that you shouldn't get raped and then you get raped or molested then obviously tsnia is ineffective and it needs to be gotten rid of and yeah. if that's your basis for for doing tsnia then you're absolutely right yeah and i just want to like i'm kind of like question the fact that you wrote that the rules are made by men 5000 years ago so i don't know who said that but the rules of tsnia are made by god god right. is the one who decided you know and for some reason like there's a and there's a good reason that god has why why not why not just on the knee why not above the knee why can't it you know i don't even understand you know those details but i do know that god loves me and he really wants me to be respected and he wants me to be valued and um you you baby in the thing yeah you see like uh, we actually said that last time um so you, i don't know if you hear background noise with our little one yeah baby woke up um, okay. we'll find out yeah so the the other thing i wanted to say is that i think it's important to let you know that you know right now as you're a teen this is really a um doing what i'm being told to do type of a thing and it's not so much about your relationship with Hashem. And that right. can lead to a lot of pushback. And I get that. You know, um, why do I need to listen to these rules? Um, so I think it's it's helpful. And we talk, you know, to our kids this way. Is that when you're in school and it's a school rule, think about it as a school rule. And not so much as something... Um, you know, the, the, let's say that what the school requires me to do is a school rule. And then when you finish school and you can start to think about how do you want to take on these um, things that Hashem asked, then you'll discover for yourself your relationship with Hashem. Oh, boy. Okay, we have think... some children that need us right now so yeah. let's leave it at that to be continued um if you have any other uh, points to bring up about anything we discussed feel free to send it in yeah any questions or other comments feel free to let us know and uh wishing you a wonderful week ahead take good care everyone have a good week